Welcome to the Lord's house. Glad you're here. Let me invite you to take your Bible and find, we're going to look at two passages, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Find the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. All right? Be the third book. Start in the beginning, count three books, you'll be there. Or page 134, if that helps you. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 19. Chapter 19, beginning with verse 11. Leviticus 19, verse 11. I just want to show you how wonderful the Bible is and how well it's put together and how Jesus knew the Bible and how, uh, how he used it in his teachings. So Leviticus chapter 19, verse 11, it says, Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. In other words, pay him at the end of the day. If he works, whenever he finishes his job, you pay him. In other words, don't hang on to it overnight and say, I'll give it to you in the morning. Pay him, pay him that day. Okay? Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, for I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Wow, we could talk about that for days, couldn't we? In our modern society, right? <laughs> and, and God put that in there for a reason because he knew once you started perverting justice, that uh, truth would stumble in the street. That's what Isaiah said, truth has stumbled in the street. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Now, when he's talking about judges, he's not talking about sitting as a judge like God would and condemning someone to hell or sending someone to hell. It's not that kind of judgment. What he's saying is discern. Discern what's really going on going on in their life so your neighbor's got some things going on and you're looking down your nose at them well that's not fair judgment stand back and say what's really going on in their life because here's a principle in life if you haven't learned this yet uh, you need to learn it and this is this real simple everybody's got problems everybody's got problems would you agree with that anybody here not had a problem not had a problem so far in life right, right. right. that's all of us so you know, like Debbie and I, last week, the air conditioner went out. That's a cha-ching, right, in, in the house. This past week, this week, the air conditioner in her car went out. More cha-ching. It costs more to fix the car than it does fix the house, <laughs> right, right? So everybody's got problems. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's in the marriage. Sometimes it's at work. Uh, everybody's got problems. So judge your neighbor fairly. Find out what's really going on in their life and in their heart before you stand back and say, I can't believe they act that way. Do not go about spreading slander on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Instagram, <laughs> CNN, MSNBC. Name, name one of the programs out there that, that, you know, all this stuff that's going on that we're seeing spreading slander, whoever they are, all the networks. I don't know that any of them are telling us the truth anymore. But don't spread slander. Right? Speak the truth. Find out what it is and speak it. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life, for I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. 
Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in his guilt. So if your neighbor's doing something that's really, really bad, rebuke him frankly. In other words, be frank with him. Hey, God, this is, you're going to tear something up if you keep doing this. You're going to hurt your family if you keep doing this. Go to him and say, look, this is, not, this is not the right way to do something. Just be frank. But don't share in it with him. In other words, if you see your neighbor about to sin and do something wrong, say something so that you don't share in that with him. Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one another. Um, and here's the key. But love your neighbors as you love yourself, for I am the Lord. Now, where have you heard that? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus. All right. So where was that that Jesus said that? We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. So if you will, turn the New Testament to Matthew. Good job. You heard Matthew. That's great. Matthew 22, right? Matthew 22. So we go from 19 in Leviticus to 22 in Matthew, right? And so you'll always remember that, 19 to 22, right? 22, verse 34. So Jesus, Jesus was always going around teaching in synagogues. Anybody would listen to him. He tried to avoid the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who were always trying to trap him in what he would say. And uh, the reason they wanted to trap him was because they wanted to get rid of him. Now, interesting thing about Jesus, he wasn't the first radical, quote-unquote, radical um, rabbi or teacher to, to, to come around. There had been many before him. You see, the, the Jewish people were under control of the Roman Empire, and they absolutely hated it. The Romans told them what to do, and if, and if they didn't do it, the Romans sent soldiers, hundreds of them, thousands of them, whatever it took, and, and just slaughtered everybody. And the Jewish people knew that, and so they knew they could only push so far. But every now and then, uh, a young man would rise up and say, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm going to fight the Roman army. And he would go around to other young men about his age, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, and he would get them all incited to, to start a war. And so they would start this war, and it would be 10 or 20 of them or 30 of them with sticks and stones and whatever they had, charging at the Romans who had horses and swords and spears and bows and arrows to, to do battle with them. And they would all be slaughtered. The Romans would come in and slaughter that group. They would find out who they are and kill them. And then another five or 10 years later, another one, another young man would rise up and do the same thing. Well... People thought Jesus was going to do that. As a matter of fact, it was um, uh, it, his disciples thought that he was going to take over the Roman Empire with a sword. You remember when Peter drew his sword out in the garden? Peter's thinking, okay, this is the time to fight. I've seen this before. I've heard stories about other guys before me who, who've done this. I'm going to stand up and fight with Jesus. That's why Peter pulled his sword out, because he thought Jesus was going to launch his kingdom then and destroy the Roman Empire and restore Israel. And, of course, you know, uh, Peter cut the ear off of the, the guard there, and Jesus patched it back up and said, now here's your ear, it's back on right. He said, put your sword up. I didn't come to bring a sword. I've come to bring peace in men's hearts. And so they thought Jesus was another radical, and that's why the Sadducees and Pharisees were trying to trip him up because they didn't want to have any problems with the, with the Romans. That was one of the reasons. The other reason was Jesus was teaching some things that none of these other guys had taught before, and he was coming close to, in their words, blasphemy because he was claiming to be the Son of God. So they really wanted to do away with him at this point. 
And so we get to this point in the scripture, we get to this point in Matthew, where they're still trying to trip him up. They had tried to trip him up about marriage just a few passages before this. In other words, if, if a woman married and she had five husbands or six husbands, they kept dying off. When she got to heaven, who's she going to be married to? And Jesus said, well, you know, in, in heaven it doesn't work like that. They kept trying to trip him up. And so they get to this point, and look what it says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, that's why they were sad. Jesus had silenced them, you see. They were sad, you see, because <laughs> Jesus had put them into place. The Pharisees got together, okay? And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, if Jesus had said anything other than what he said, obviously, they would have said, you're a blasphemer, and they would have taken him out and stoned him or crucified him. Whatever they could have done to him, they would have done to him because they tripped him up. But look what Jesus said. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus said, while I've got your attention, I'm going to tell you the second greatest commandment. And the second greatest commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself, for all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus just summed it up. Love God, love yourself, love others. And the one we've added, love creation, right? Fortitude, F-O-U-R, fortitude, four things. Love God, love yourself, love others. I love creation. Those are the four things that God asks us to do, to live our life of fortitude, F-O-U-R, fortitude. So let me ask you a question. If you are driving through a school zone and school is in session or about to get out of session and the officer is standing there and she holds up her hand and commands you to stop, do you stop or do you go through? You stop. Why do you stop? What? It's a law. And you were given a command to stop, right? Okay. If a teacher in school says to you, quit talking, students, if you're in school and a teacher commands you to stop talking, what do you do? You start texting. Right? <laughs> right. Pass notes, right, right. Generally, you stop, right? right. Why do you stop? It's a command. You're told to stop. Okay. If your mother says, stop hitting your sister, do you stop? No, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> should you stop? Yes. yes, you should. Why? It's a command, right? If your alarm clock says it's time to get up, do you? Hit snooze. Hit snooze. <laughs> you hit snooze. Okay, so here's a question. This is, this is a pop quiz. It's not going to be on the final exam. How many of you hit the snooze one time? Let's see those hands. How many of you hit it two times? Three times? Four times? Five times? Six times? Six times? Is it six times the max? That's awesome. It depends on the day. Depends on the day? I just have eight alarms, though. Just eight alarms. <laughs> nice nice but eventually we all obey the command to get up don't we right at some point if you don't you lose your job or something you know something happens the world stops spinning or you know you see how your wife or the husband yells at you or the, or the child comes and says I'm hungry feed me you know something change me you know something happens right well, Jesus has given us four commands. 
Why do we obey them? Because they're commands, right? Why do we disobey them? Why do we obey man's commands more than we obey God's commands? Why do we, why do we sometimes go about life obeying all the stop signs and all the red lights and, and what the teacher says and what the speed limit? And we, we obey all those, but when God says, love yourself, we, we, we just say, well, I'm not sure. I'm going to love myself. What are some ways we love ourselves? Because I think that's probably the hardest thing for all of us. I think one of the ways we love ourselves is one of the commands that God gave us, and that's to observe the Sabbath, a day of rest. Sabbath is kind of an odd word for us, but we didn't grow up using that word. But it simply means a day of rest. And Jesus said the Sabbath was created for man to enjoy, to relax. And so how many of you take a day off? And just relax, enjoy people, go to the lake. Whatever it is you do, do, do you make time for yourself? That's why God said love yourself, love your neighbor like you love yourself. If you're not taking time for yourself just to relax and enjoy, not try to figure something out in life, you're stressing yourself out. Right? So one of the ways we love ourselves, if we're going to obey God, we've got to love ourselves, we've got to take a day off. What about, what about telling yourself that God loves you? Have you ever done that? God, I know you love me. Thank you. God, I know you love me. God, I love you, and I know you love me. That's a great way to take care of yourself. It's to say about you what God says about you. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we wake up in the morning and we say, God, I, I know you love me. Thank you so much for that love. That's a great way to take care of yourself, to remind yourself every day that God loves you. In spite of what's going on in the world, in, in spite of the crazy stuff that's happened in your life, in spite of having to fix two air conditioners in one week, right? I know that God loves me. I really do. I know he loves me. Another way to love yourself, to take care of yourself, is to get rid of some of the guilt you're carrying. Some of you have got this giant backpack full of guilt over things you've done in your life or things you didn't do in your life and you put that backpack on and over over time it becomes heavier and heavier and it weighs you down and jesus said look my burden is light you you're not even gonna know you're carrying it my yoke is easy and so if you're carrying something heavy that man-made religion put on you to tell you how bad you are you, you need to take that guy off it's just too heavy. Get rid of that. So one of the things we do to love ourselves is to, is to process past events in the light of Jesus Christ, in the light of what he's done for us. Yeah, you made a mistake at 16, but you're not 16 anymore. Right? And that mistake you made at 16 does not define you today. What defines you today are the decisions you make today. So make good decisions today. Make good choices today. And let the past be in the past. Right? Move forward from this day. and Think about all the wonderful things God has planned for you and ask for those things. Ask God to bless you. You know, there's a prayer in the Old Testament, the prayer of Jabez. Have you ever heard of that? Where he says, bless me, O Lord. And that sounds so selfish when we think about it. But it's okay to pray that prayer. Bless me today, Father. Bless me today. 
it's okay to pray that. You see, we think if we're asking God to bless us, that we're asking something against his will. But God's a generous God. God is a generous God. He's a giving God. He's a gracious God. He gave his son. If he'll give his son, nothing else. I mean, the rest of it's just, I mean, what can you say about the rest of it when he's already given his son, right? It's just like, wow, he gave us his son. All these other things aren't that important. He gave us his son. But because he gave us his son, it tells us, it says us, it, it gives us an example that he's willing to give us other things as well. He's willing to bless us in other ways as well. So ask for a blessing. Father, I, I want peace in my heart today. That's a great blessing. Jesus is the, is, is the God of peace, right? He says, I come to bring you peace. My peace I give you. Jesus, bless me with joy today. Jesus says, my joy I give you. Not the joy that the world gives. My joy I give you. You can ask for those blessings. And we think it's selfish to ask for a blessing. God's up there with just buckets full of blessings ready to pour out on us. We don't even ask for them. I read this book. That this man had a dream or a vision. and I don't know this man, but it's an interesting dream or vision he had. But God took him to heaven and was walking down the like a giant warehouse, and there were doors everywhere. And he would open the door, and inside that would be blessings. And the, the room would just be full of blessings. And the, this man would say, God, why is this room full of blessings? What does that mean? He said, well, this belongs to so-and-so, and they just haven't asked for their blessings yet. And it's waiting on them to ask for their blessings. He would go down. finally got to this man's door and opened it up and just stuff everywhere, all kind of blessings. Inside, they just packed up to the top of the ceiling. And he said, Father, what are these blessings? He said, these are your blessings. You haven't asked for them yet. Now, when you wake up from this dream, I want you to start asking for God to bless you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Ask for these blessings. So, God bless me. Here's what I pray. God, bless me with your best blessing today. Whatever the best is you have for me today, I want that. I just want your very best for me today. Whatever that blessing is, I want it today. And it's amazing how people will come into your life and you realize, oh, that was a great blessing. I didn't realize that. I had a pastor call me this week. I prayed that prayer. And matter of fact, I just finished praying that prayer and he called me. And we started talking. We talked for an hour and a half about what God's doing in his life. Just some amazing things God's doing in his life. It blessed me. That was my blessing for the day was to hear how God's at work in another pastor's life. It was, it was great. It was a great blessing. I was, anyway, I won't go into all the details. But all week it's been like that. It's just been like that. So pray that prayer. God, I want your best blessing for me today. That's one way we love ourselves. God commanded us to do that. <clears throat> God commands us to love others. Let me give you a quick list on that. One way to love others is to bless others. Just bless them. Just bless them. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Daniel, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Just bless somebody in the name of Jesus. If you want to be specific, be specific. If you know something that's specific about them, say that too. Encourage people. You know, you can encourage someone with a, a word, a, a card, a text, a phone call. There's a lot of ways to encourage people. Serve somebody. Serve somebody. Suzanne's going to tell us something at uh, close this of the service this morning about how God allowed her to serve somebody this week. And that's one way we bless others and love others. 
pray for people. Pray for people. That's a great way to love others. And how do we love God? <clears throat> we serve God. You've served God by being here this morning. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you bless God this morning by serving him this morning just by being here, your presence? You know, Jesus died for the church. Shouldn't we live for it? Right? Let me say that again in French. Jesus died for the church. Shouldn't we live for it? Shouldn't it be important enough for us to get together once a week for an hour, right, to, to bless the church? We are the church. It's not the building. Right? The church doesn't have anything to do with the building, okay? It's the people. You are the church. If Jesus died for us sitting here, shouldn't we live for one another one hour a week, 168 hours a week? Right? It would be better, but at least one hour a week. You know, I think the easiest thing that you do as a Christian is to show up for a meeting. I think it's the easiest thing you do as a Christian to show up for a meeting. I think it's, it's on the bottom of the list. The top of the list would be to, to, to die for someone, right? Jesus said, no greater love has no man than this that a man would die for somebody, right? But to show up for a meeting, I think that's the, the easiest, simplest thing we can do is to, is to show up and love on one another. I really do. So if you're checking off your, your Christian to-do list and you want to do the easiest thing, it's here at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. The harder things are some of the things we're talking about here, about loving others, loving ourselves, and so forth. Another way we love God is to simply to talk to him. He's your father. He's your father. He's not like your earthly father. He's nothing like your earthly father. If you had the best earthly father on the planet, our heavenly father is nothing like that. Because he already knows what you want to talk about. He already knows what's in your heart. He knows everything that's happened in your past. He knows what your tomorrow looks like. He knows what next year looks like. He knows all of that. And so when you're talking to your Heavenly Father, you're talking to somebody that knows everything about you, past, present, and future. No earthly father can ever know that, but a Heavenly Father can. So one of the ways we honor God, one of the ways we bless God, one of the ways we love God, one of the ways we Rejoice him is just simply talk to him. Father, how's it going today? What are you thinking about today, Father? You can ask him those questions. Father, what, what direction should I go today? Father, is there anybody I can serve today? Real simple questions. That's prayer. That's getting to know your father. Father, what are you thinking about my marriage today? Father, what are you thinking about my parenting skills today? Father, what are you thinking about my work ethic today? All those are great questions. Father, what are you thinking about me for tomorrow? Can I, can I have a little heads up what's going to happen tomorrow? Right? Great questions. Just talk to God. Other ways we bless God or honor him are by reading his word. He gave us this. He said, he said this is my love letter to you. This is, this, this is what I want you to carry around and keep with you while you're on this earth. And one of the ways we honor him is by reading our Bible. Just reading it over and over and over again. Hey, and connecting Leviticus to Matthew. Right? Who knew, right? That what Jesus said in Leviticus, Jesus also said in Matthew. How did Jesus know to say that in Matthew? He already said it in Leviticus, right? Right? 
It's amazing how many Old Testament passages are in the New Testament, particularly where Jesus is concerned. Dozens and dozens of Old Testament passages he brings into the New Testament. I read an article yesterday. Uh, this some pastor, I don't know him, I've never heard of him, but his article appeared on uh, one of the websites, one of the news sites, and uh, apparently does a lot of research into churches. And he came up with this statistic based on his research that 39% of Christians believe the Bible is the literal word of God. Only 39% of Christians believe the Bible is the real word of God. Not 93%, 39%. So in America, in America, 39% of Christians believe this is really God's word. The rest of them just think it's a book you can read and learn from history. That number continues to go downhill. What do you believe? Do you believe it's really God's word? I do. Connecting Leviticus to Matthew is enough proof for me. All right. He also found that that 50% of Christians attend church less than once per month. I've got a friend who served on staff at a big mega church in uh, Mississippi. Uh, this is a couple of years ago. And I was talking to him about his, his area. He, he oversaw the young adults. And uh, he had like 2,000 people under his you know, in a 10,000-member church, 2,000 of them were young adults. And they were able to track their young adults' attendance with some computer program. And they discovered that their young adults came to church once every six weeks in a, in a big mega church. You, know, you, you think a lot of people there all the time, but in his section, once every six weeks, 50%. And then he found out that 5% of his survey... 5% of Christians share their faith. Only 5% of Christians share their faith. Now, I would submit to you that on Facebook, 100% of Republicans and 100% of Democrats share their faith. <laughs> would you agree with me on that? And I, I guess I should throw in 100% of independents, whatever those you know, titles may be, right? Are sharing their faith. And what they believe in. They believe in Republicans. They believe in Democrats. They believe in independents. They're sharing their faith everywhere. Right? And we've got great discord in our country because of that and a lot of other things. But only 5% of Christians are sharing their faith. Now, I don't think sharing your faith on Facebook is the most productive way to share your faith. I think sharing your faith face-to-face -face with someone sitting over a cup of coffee or a burrito is the best way to share your faith, right? You're sitting down and you're having a conversation with a friend or someone you just met, an acquaintance, and you're saying, I just need to tell you about Jesus. That's the best way. That's the best way. But now, if you want to share your faith on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, and all these other things, by all means, go right ahead. But only 5% of us are sharing our faith. And so, 100 years ago, 90% of people went to church every week. And, and now we're down to 20% of people going to church every week. So the, if we were running a corporation and we were in charge and we were the board directors 
and our market share was going like this, what would happen to us? It would be fired, right? We'd be fired. If our military, we've got some military people sitting here. If our military had been losing wars on a straight line down, what would happen? We'd no longer be the USA, right? I mean, so, so pick any, pick business, pick military, pick something. If it's going downhill, it's not going to last. If you chart a marriage, you know, we're all in love, and we're, you know, we're at a 10 here, and we're at a 9 here, we're at a 7 here, we're at a, five, we're at a 3, we're at a 2. Guess what's going to happen at 1 or 0? It's going to be a divorce. So if only 5% of us are sharing our faith at any one given time, that, that, that's not good. It's not going to end well for us. So I want to challenge all of us to live a life of fortitude. F-O-U-R, fortitude, four things. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So you've got to love yourself, you've got to love your neighbor, and love his creation. That's in Genesis 2.15 where it says, love my creation and take care of it. And I've shared about creation, so I won't go into that today, but I want to challenge us, all of us, to live with fortitude this week. Will you accept the challenge? It's a command, right? It's a command. It's not an elective. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not a proposal. It's not a proposition, and it's not a hint. Let me say that again in German. Okay? It's not an option. It's not an elective. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not a proposal or a proposition or even a hint. It's a command. So... Let's obey the commands of God this week. Let's find somebody to love on in the name of Jesus. Let's take care of ourselves this week. Let's honor God in some way. Honor his name in some way. And then find a way to be nice to planet Earth. We've only got one. It's going to be a long time before we colonize Mars or the moon, right? Most of us ain't going to be around for that one. So let's take care of the one we got while we got it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you, I thank you, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, you're with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to hear from our Father, our Daddy, who loves us and wants the best for us and the best for this planet. Thank you for making that way. Now come, Holy Spirit, be our teacher, our guide, our coach, our catalyst, our champion, the one who gives us direction. Come, Holy Spirit, and show us what we need to do today to live a life of fortitude. Show us how to act, what to say, how to behave, where to go, who to see. Open our eyes to the world around us so that we can live a life of fortitude with the people that we're closest to, our neighbors, our family, the places we go. Holy Spirit, just come and reveal to us right now in our hearts if there's something that's standing in between us and hearing from our Father clearly. Take that out of the way so that we can hear what Daddy's instructions are. Holy Spirit, help us too to know how to pray to our Father. Help us to know how to 
love ourselves and others and how to take care of this creation. You are brilliant, Holy Spirit. Give us some of that knowledge. Give us some of that wisdom and understanding and insight. Share it with us, Holy Spirit. Just awaken us to what you're about in our lives. Father, bless Rock Springs Church. Bless us this morning. Bless us this week. Bless us next Sunday. Just pour out your blessing on us. We ask for that. Whatever that blessing is, we want your best blessing for our church, for this congregation, this week. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.